Well, good afternoon, folks. How's everyone doing? <laughs> you sound like a crowd standing out or sitting out in 100 degree weather. Great. You guys having a great week, though? Yeah? Good. Well, I'm sure you're glad to be in the shade here. I noticed that no one's sitting here in the middle. I'm not sure quite why. Um, but I, I got I to gotta hand it to the hammock people. All right, look at that. Look at this over here. Three high, three high back there. I'm glad they put the little guy in the top, the top bunk. If I was up there, I'd be afraid for the, the guys below. Well, my name is Kurt Weaver, and uh, I work for Pennsylvania Family Institute. And um, before I worked for the Institute, um, I was a pastor for 11 years at a church in Millersville called Crossway Church, which is actually Lancaster County. And, uh, all right, we got some Lancaster people here. All right, good. Uh, prior to that, I worked for uh, Creation Concerts, uh, WJTL, and uh, we worked, I did a lot of work here at the festival. I uh, worked here for 10 years, so I'm very familiar with uh, Creation Festival, Creation Festival East and Creation Festival uh, West, and uh, had amazing uh, years working there and working in the Christian music industry. So it's great to see you all here this year because um, I, uh, I have a, a lot of love for this festival and have been involved for many, many years. I'm also a father of six amazing kids. Um, in fact, I believe in, uh, I believe in child labor. I don't know where my kids are right now. They ran away, probably they ran away. Where are my two daughters? They're handing something out, they're handing booklets out. Uh, so, uh, oh, there they are, all right, okay. Uh, there's Toria, Toria stand up and say hi. All right, and then Howie. And then uh, my second oldest, Braden. He's not gonna stand, but he's too cool for school. <laughs> as they say. But I got six kids, so I got three of them here. The other three couldn't be here because uh, they are they're working. But I mentioned that I uh, work for the Pennsylvania Family Institute. I am their Director of Strategic Partnerships. And you might be wondering, what does the Pennsylvania Family Institute do? Um, we actually represent the Christian community in Harrisburg and around the state. So we are in Harrisburg lobbying on behalf of you all, on behalf of churches, on behalf of uh, nonprofit ministries and uh, wanting to make sure that legislators do the right thing to protect our religious liberty here in this state. And uh, it's very important that uh, Christians are allowed to live out their lives uh, in this world without being persecuted, without being hurt, without being penalized. And we also work at the uh, state capitol uh, in um, making sure the legislators uh, make good laws in regards to the sanctity of life. So we're working very hard in the state right now. We're working on a bill called the Down Syndrome Protection Bill. Uh, because of all the prenatal testing that's been uh, advanced over the years, uh, there's been targeting um, in the room of those who have the Down Syndrome test, who might have Down Syndrome. And uh, unfortunately, we want to make sure, we, well, unfortunately, we want to make sure that those individuals are protected, are cared for, and therefore we're trying to pass, pay, pass legislation that's going to protect those individuals. Now, of course, we want to see all lives protected because we think every single life deserves to live. Every single life. So today I am going to be talking about how to engage a hostile world. Have you noticed recently 
that our world is becoming more and more polarized. Anyone? Have you noticed that things have become more hostile in our world? Only a few hands? <laughs> well, all you have to do is turn on the news, uh, open up your Facebook account, um, go on to blogs, uh, watch social media. Um, you're going to see a lot of hostility in our world. So as Christians, how should we engage a world that seems so hostile right now? On February 12, 2015, ISIS marched 21 Egyptian Christians onto a beach in Libya dressed in orange jumpsuits. There on the shore of the Mediterranean Sea, usually a place of beauty, an evil act transformed the tranquil environment into a gruesome image of evil. 21 men were executed for their belief in Jesus Christ. The gruesome act was captured on a video with a message from ISIS that said, we are sending a message by chopping off the heads of those carrying the cross. We are breaking the cross, killing the swine. On Sunday, November 5th, 2017, a gunman in all black with military tactical gear on and weaponry walked into a small Baptist church in Sutherland Springs, Texas, and killed 26 people, aging from five years of age up to 72. The motive for the attack was unclear, but the grisly nature of it could not have been clearer. Families gathered in pews, clutching Bibles and praying to the Lord were murdered in cold blood on the spot. In April 2017, a couple of pro-life students, 16 and 19, were cursed and profaned and harassed outside the Downingtown High School in Downingtown, Pennsylvania by an assistant principal just because they were trying to expose the horror of abortion, America's Holocaust. These students faced great hostility for their faith and cause, but stood strong and communicated with grace and love. In June of 2017, senior Mariah Bridges was asked to give the closing comments at her graduation in Beaver, Pennsylvania. Mariah wanted to pray this prayer. Lord, surround us with grace and favor everywhere we go. Soften our hearts to teach us love and compassion, to show mercy and grace to others the way that you showed mercy and grace to us, even to the ultimate sacrifice. Help us to love our brothers and sisters deeply. Lead us to bless them. But guess what? The school district said that she was unable to give that prayer because it would be unlawful for her to do so. Ironically, by refusing to allow a student to pray in the name of Jesus Christ, the school district excluded the Christian religion, which could be considered religious discrimination. Dan Savage, anyone who Dan Savage is? Dan Savage, um, he runs an organization called It Gets Better. Uh, he's openly gay. He goes around to school districts and he talks about how students should stop bullying one another. It's a good thing, he does some wonderful things. A couple years ago, he was at a high school journalism conference, and he said this to all the journalists in the room. 
He said, you can stop believing the BS of the Bible. And he said this, if the Bible got slavery wrong, then certainly the Bible got gender wrong. And after he was done giving that speech, he told those who left the room, you can tell the Bible people to come back into the room. Very hostile. And he was talking on bullying. He was getting bullied there. I heard a few story. I heard a story a few years ago from a college student about a philosophy professor on the first day of class who asked students to stand up if they consider themselves to be Christians. After a, fr a few brave souls stood up, he then proceeded to berate them and stated that they were brainwashed and that at the end of his course. None of them would be Christians after more because he was going to dismantle the validity of the Christian faith. Listen, the list could go on and on and on. Many hostilities around our world aren't even documented or even covered by news outlets, but they are felt by all of us in our society. Unfortunately, this treatment of Christians, it tempts us and our churches. It tempts us to hide our faith or at times buckle under the pressure of society. So why so much hostility in our world? What's going on? Is, is this something new? No, this is not new. And two, we shouldn't be surprised that it's happening on our world. In fact, the early church, throughout church history, and even now around the world, Christians have faced hostility for their faith. Listen to the word of God. John 15, 18, Jesus says this. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Luke 21, he says, you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Again, Jesus says in Luke 2, Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spur your name as evil on the count of the Son of Man. Jesus says in Mark 13, And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. In 1 John, John says this, Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Well, doesn't that make us feel much better? <laughs> yeah. Woo! The world hates us. All right. Let's go out and have fun. No, no, it certainly doesn't make us feel better. You see, it's hard and difficult to be treated unkindly. In fact, many times it paralyzes us. It even makes us question our own convictions and faith. And sometimes it gets our blood boiling. Although it's comforting that the world is treating us like it did our Savior, because it means that we're on the right track. It means that we're not of this world. It means that we're part of a different kingdom. We're part of a different king. And our ways are not like the world's ways. Our ways are in line with God's ways. So how should we as believers engage this kind of hate in our world? Our temptation is to respond in anger, 
or to run and hide, and neither are appropriate. The Bible gives us two guide rails when it comes to dealing with a hostile world. Do you know what it is? Anyone? Love thy neighbor? That's part of it? Speak the truth in what? In love. So the Bible gives us two guide rails, truth and love, which are both wrapped up in the gospel of Jesus Christ. But if we lose one of the two, we are off the road into a deep ravine of great error that does not glorify God. So Ephesians 4.15 says this, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So what does that tell us? Maturity in Jesus Christ is speaking the truth in love. Because Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, also spoke the truth in love. And we are to be like him. Zondervan, the nation's biggest Bible publisher and distributor, was in the news back in 2005. The Rock and Roll magazine, Rolling Stone, rejected an ad by Zondervan promoting its new Bible translation aimed at the 18 to 35 age range. An ad that was already running in Modern Bride, The Onion, and commercials on VH1 and MTV. The slogan in the ad read this. Okay, this is, this is what the ad was. You ready for this? It said, Timeless truth, today's language. That's all it said. No mention of God, no mention of Jesus, and really not even mention of the Bible. It just said, timeless truth, today's language. Why do you think Rolling Stone had an issue with that ad? Truth. That's right. Timeless truth. They had a problem with truth being in the ad because they deemed it a spiritual message and they did not agree with the message there. So truth, what is it? What is truth? If someone asked you what truth is, how would you define it? What would you say truth is? It's kind of hard to answer that question, isn't it? Well, the dictionary defines truth as something that is undeniably certain. Something that is undeniably certain. Undeniable. Certain. Without question. Can't be challenged. It is certain. And some might say, well, that's impossible. There is no moment of truth. The truth is subjective. Or the truth is relative. So what is truth, and certainly where do we find this truth that is certain, undeniably certain? Well, let's first consider where truth comes from. Jesus said to Thomas, I am the, and the, and the life. No one comes to the Father except, you guys are good. So. What is truth? Jesus. Truth is Jesus. 
truth is a person. Jesus claims to be truth. Everything he does, everything he says, his entire being is truth. And it is undeniably certain. It's concrete. No one else can claim truth except for Jesus Christ. That is what truth is. He's the second person of the Trinity. All objective truth belongs to God and God alone. John MacArthur says this, and just listen to this. He says this, Authentic Christianity has always held that Scripture is absolute, objective truth. I like how he started off that statement. Authentic Christianity. What does it hold to? The scriptures. And what are the scriptures? Absolute, objective truth. He goes on, he says, It is true for one person and it is for another. Regardless of anyone's opinion about it, it has one true meaning that applies to everyone. It is God's word to humanity. It is true meaning. It's determined by God. It is not something that can be shaped to fit the preference of individual hearers. So truth is truth is truth is truth. It's not true for me and not true for others. It is true for all objective truth because God, the creator of our universe, is truth and he has established truth. So where do we find God's truth? Well, you just heard John MacArthur, John MacArthur say, it is scripture. It is given to us in written form. Writings that have been passed down from the ages, carefully translated from language to language, handled with great care, and, and many times lives were sacrificed for the protection of God's word. In fact, William Tyndale was burned at the stake because he wanted to get the holy scriptures into the hands of everyday people like me and you. In 1563, after being strangled at the stake, they then burned his body for simply wanting to translate the Bible from the original language into English. Tyndale's last words were this. He said, right before he was strangled, he said, Lord, open the eyes of the King of England. He wasn't cursing people. He wasn't spewing hostility. He was asking the Lord to have mercy on the king, to open up his eyes, to open up the eyes of society during that time. That God's word would be established and transported to all of England so everyone could read the truth, the sacred truth from God himself. Second Timothy says this, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Do you have a high regard for scripture? Listen, I get it. It's hard at times to read God's word. Sometimes maybe you read it and your eyes glaze over, or you read it and you just don't understand it. But let me just say this, never stop. Never stop reading the Word of God. Never stop trying to understand the Word of God. 
God is not trying to hide truth from you. He wants you to understand it. He wants you to love his word. Like Psalm 1 says, meditate on it day and night. Maybe you've given up on the Bible. Go back to it. Spend time reading it. Because when we don't read the Bible, we tend to start believing the lies in our world. The Barna Group has done some amazing research in regards to the Bible. Let me ask you this. If you're between the age of 18, you're going to hate me in a second here, because you're all settled in and everything. If you're between the ages of 18 and 32, stand up. 18 to 32. Do you guys know what generation you are? Ah, oh, the millennials. You guys get a bad rap, don't you? Let me tell you why you get a bad rap, okay? You guys just sit down. I know, I made you stand up and I'm sorry. All right, listen to this. In your generation, the millennials right now, 18 to 30, okay? Very influential group, our next generation. Only 14% of you believe that the Bible is true. 14%, and you might say, 14%, that sounds kind of high. Right, that the next generation, the millennial group, the 14%, that seems pretty good, right? Until I tell you this, that 24% of you, millennials, believe that the Bible is evil and hateful and hostile towards the world. So more people in your generation view the scriptures as not just negative, but evil. Staggering, isn't it? In fact, as a percentage is higher than all other age segments right now, the millennials. So you might have 14% to believe the Bible is truth, which is wonderful. But you have a very hostile percentage in the millennial group that believes the Bible is not just untrue, but actually evil and harmful. So what happens when we lose our grasp on the truth? We see a society that kicks biblical truth and morality to the curb. Second Peter, Second Peter 2 says this, And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. Do you hear that? You know, I came across this passage the other day. I don't think I ever read it before. And when I read it, I thought, oh my goodness. Is that not true of today? That many will follow sensuality in this world. And because of it, the way of truth will be blasphemed. The scriptures are meant to lead us and guide us. It's our authoritative rule. The scripture is to govern us, not just for us to conform to our own thoughts and ideas. Human skill and reason must never be our normative guide in this world. We must constantly be asking ourselves, what does the Bible say about this matter? Do you ask that question? When social issues pop up every day, you go to this, what does the Bible have to say about this? Or do we get wrapped up into the emotion of what's happening in our world? Scripture should guide us and lead us. We need to seek it with eagerness, examining it to see what truth is. And so we can consider some of these questions. Is it right to abort a child? 
You go to the scriptures. What does the Bible have to say about that? Is it right to change your gender? You have to go to the scriptures about that. Is it okay to get divorced? Is it right to have sex outside of marriage? Is it right to celebrate what God calls evil? You need to go to the Bible and start asking questions. What does the Bible have to say about this matter? And so how biblically literate are you? What happens when someone challenges your beliefs? Like that professor from my friend. I think so many times we do things or believe things that aren't biblically or aren't biblical simply because we aren't thinking biblically about things, but instead we have bought into the society's worldview. But let me just say this. Having the truth brings great responsibility. So don't be a jerk. Remember, truth. We have truth, people. We have God's word. We know the truth. We know the future. It is a great comfort to have truth in a world that's crazy and going wild, right? The problem is many Christians hold truth, but then they lack the love part. And we can be jerks in our world when people don't believe what we believe. So we need to walk in love. When I was pastoring, I would take our pastoral team around town to do street evangelism. And one time we walked up to a few teens taking a smoke break outside a local mall. We went up to them, we said, uh, hey, you know, we're doing a spiritual survey, and uh, can we ask you a few questions about what you believe? And uh, the one kid responded in this way. He said, I don't think you like my kind. And I proceeded to ask, uh, what do you mean by your kind? And he says, well, I'm a homosexual. The other pastor that was with me without missing a beat, he said, then we have something in common. And the guy looked up, confused look on his face. And my pastor friend said this, listen, we're both sinners and we desperately need the forgiveness of God. That completely changed the conversation. This young man was more open to talk. We all suddenly had a level playing field because we're talking about all the wrongs that we had done in life. This isn't about them and us or, you know, I'm more spiritual than you are or I'm better than you are. And all of a sudden we were able to communicate with the truth of love. Ephesians 5 says, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Matthew 5, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Luke 6, but I say to you, uh, but I say you who hear, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. And Luke 6, but love your enemies and do good and lend them, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Let me say that again. He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. All of us, you're a believer in Jesus Christ. There was a time that you were evil. Without hope in this world, you had broken the laws of God. The hostility between God and you was strong, inevitable. 
But Jesus came not to condemn the world, but he came to save the world. And he poured out his blood for sinners like us so that we might be made righteous, made right with him. That is an amazing, amazing truth. And so when we consider people who are not like us, who are unbelievers, we have to remember our own salvation and who we once were. We were the ungrateful. We were the evil. But he is kind to those like us. And he has saved us. So what is love? Well, again, like truth, love is personified in a person. The scriptures are clear. Over 132 passages in scripture says this. God is yes God is love over 132 times in the Bible first John 4 anyone who does not love God does not know God because God is love beloved let us love one another for love is from God therefore we must speak God's truth and do it with God's love so what happens if we separate the two if we take away truth Love is just a mushy, fake love that will give people a false sense of God's love and justice. Furthermore, it will end up supporting or allowing unrighteousness in this world. Okay? That's when all you do is you operate like, God is just love. I'm just loving. I'm just loving. And when you take away truth, you got nothing. You're just making people feel better about themselves and their unrighteousness. But we have to also carry truth. But what if we take love away from truth? Well, truth becomes a sledgehammer that destroys and hurts people. And we end up not caring about people. Recently I had a friend who told me this story. Um, has a couple of tattoos. This person came up and said, hey, you know what? The Bible says you're not supposed to have tattoos. So I was like, oh, oh, okay. So yeah, I just want to tell you that. It's wrong. And walked away. How do you think that individual felt? You think he felt truth and love? No, not at all. Okay? And so what happens when we take away truth away from love and love away from truth? We have to carry them together. This past week I had a friend that asked me advice. His brother-in-law is engaged Listen to this. His brother-in-law is engaged to another man. You understand this? So his brother-in-law is marrying another man. Same-sex wedding. And so he asked me, he said, should he and his wife attend the wedding? Now you might agree or disagree with what I'm about to say, but this is what I said to them. This is what I offered. I said, I would meet with your brother-in-law and maybe even his partner and take them out for dinner, and get to know them, ask them about their lives, encourage them in their vocation and what they do in this world. Tell them that you love them and that you care about them, and that you want to be there for them. And then say, we love you guys, and we love Jesus Christ. And because we believe in biblical truth, we believe the Bible supports biblical marriage. 
in biblical marriage only. And so we're so sorry, but we're not going to be able to attend your wedding. But just so know, just know this, though. We're always going to be here for you. And even though we were unable to attend your wedding, we still love you both very much. You see, right in that setting, you're able to still cling to biblical truth, and you're also able to communicate God's love in that setting. Hopefully you agree <laughs> that my advice was both full of truth and full of love. Here's five ways to show love in a hostile conversation, whether it's about politics, social issues, biblical theology, sports, entertainment, you and your spouse are fighting, who knows what, but uh, we find ourselves in arguments all the time, don't we? So I'm going to give you an acronym, something that's going to help us in this hostile world. And the acronym is GRACE, believe it or not. So, here's what we're going to do. G. We're going we're gonna to have a test later on this, okay? G. We're starting off. I cheated a little bit. G stands for grace, okay? Here's what we're going to do. Anytime you're in a conversation that's heated, anytime you're in a hostile environment, you want to use gracious words as much as possible. Use grace in the way that you communicate. And that goes for your body language as well. Don't be rolling your eyes and huffing and puffing or whatever it is. That's not grace. That shows no one grace. In fact, just because you don't use hostile words, words doesn't mean that your body language isn't hostile. All right? So, grace, G. The next letter is, you guys know how to spell, right? I've got my letters mixed up here. Is R, respect. Respect the dignity of all humankind, regardless of their beliefs. Just because they believe something different doesn't mean they aren't of worth and that they should not be respected. All people should be respected, regardless of what they believe. Don't belittle them. Don't cut them off. Show them respect. What's the next letter? Hey, you guys are playing along. This is great. A. Aim to understand. The best way to understand someone is to repeat their position back to them. So to the point where they feel comfortable and they feel understood. Is this what you're saying? Blah, 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 blah. I think I'm hearing this, but I might be wrong. Is this what you're saying? You want them to feel like they're being understood. And that you're not somehow trying to um, not listen to them, not understand them, but, but steamroll them with your own beliefs. So next letter. C. Look for common areas of agreement. Look for common ground between you and others. There are times that we can say, you know what, I think we agree on a few things. So, you know, we, can, we all want a better world. They might think a better world looks different, but we can agree that we want a better world. We can agree that we all want tolerance in this world. We can agree, yes, black lives do matter. 
We can agree that children matter. We should agree that women should have rights in this world. There are many agreements that we can have with people that we disagree with. So look for those common areas of agreement. Now we might disagree on some of the finer points, but I think we can agree on some of the broader areas, and that makes for a better conversation. And then lastly is E, encourage. We want to have encouragement. We want to do all we can to leave the conversation in a positive way. Thank them for communicating their thoughts, even though you might not agree with them. Tell them that you appreciate a civil conversation. Look for ways to show appreciation. And listen to this. Try not to lose friends over disagreements. Do your best. I have a brother, I love him dearly, but we disagree on almost everything. Everything, okay? I don't know how many times we've gotten into heated arguments, and at the end of our arguments, we're still able to hug each other, tell each other we love each other, and then continue our relationship. And we actually have a very good relationship, even though we don't see eye to eye on almost everything. All right, so let's go through this again, see if you're paying attention, all right? The acronym is GRACE. What does the G stand for? GRACE. Grace, good. What does the R stand for? Respect. Good. What does the A stand for? Aim to understand. What does the C stand for? Look for comfort. And what does the E stand for? Courage. Yes! Look at that. You will never have another argument again. <laughs> Ever. The world's a better place because of y'all. Well, it is, but... So that's something I want you to keep in your mind as you think about how you communicate. The things you put on social media, the conversations you have on Facebook, the conversations you have with your neighbor, with your relatives, with your coworkers. Think about the acronym of GRACE as you dive into those conversations. And hopefully, by God's grace, he will help us. You see, our world will try to undermine scriptures. They will say the Bible has errors, that the Bible is man-made, that the Bible is old-fashioned and antiquated. They will say to believe the Bible that it's foolish and that it's simple and that it's ignorant. They will say the Bible is made of a bunch of fairy tales. But listen, don't be shaken. Don't be movable. Yes, you will be in the minority in our world. And sometimes we will face hostility for what we believe, but we must be biblical for the glory of God, for the good of ourselves, for the good of the world we live in, for the next generation, and for the salvation of souls. So listen, don't lose your grip on the authority of the Bible. Don't lose your grip. Churches all around us are giving up on it. Left and right, Christians are giving up on it. Please, I beg of you, for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for the glory of Christ, for the good of the church, stay strong and don't be shaken by the ever-changing world around us. So be a good citizen. Vote. Get involved in government. Encourage legislators to make good decisions. Be an activist for biblical values. Be a nice person. 
Do your best to not be a sledgehammer. Be careful in social media. Speak kindly about people. Remember that we represent Jesus Christ. And be a courageous person. Stand on truth. Engage the lives of our society. Don't buckle under the pressure because God is on our side. And listen, it is better to be persecuted for Christ than to turn away out of fear. Listen to this sad account from the book of John, John 12. Nevertheless, many, even the authorities, believed in Jesus. But for the fear, the fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Don't be like them. Don't be afraid in this world that you care more about what society thinks of you than what God himself thinks of you. Don't give up on truth for the lies of this world. Don't be shaken. I'll end with this. There were three young men who were demanded to give up on their biblical beliefs and faith or face death as a punishment. They held strong in the midst of others, even other seemingly godly people who buckled under the threat of death and gave up on their own biblical convictions. They were brought before the king and told to denounce their faith, and they said no. In fact, you all know the story well. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known. Let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Our God calls us to speak the truth, to walk in love, and to live courageously for him, no matter how the world treats us. Let's pray. Father, we, we knew that this world is hostile towards you. In fact, the world took you and drove nails into your hands and feet and placed you on a cross where you died a horrific and painful death. Lord, you did it for us that your death on the cross would cover all of our sins. And because you have done that, we are now in you. We are with you. We have received grace upon grace, forgiveness and love from you. Therefore, since we are of you and you are in us, you call us to be like you and to live in this world. And we know that the world will be hostile towards us. But Lord, help us to not give up on our faith. Help us to stand strong on truth and help us to show the kind of love that you showed 
the sacrificial kind that all of us in this world must share. Lord, help us to be bold. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for coming out this afternoon. Before I send you on your way, uh, each of you, if you don't receive a little booklet on sitting on the hill, one of my burdens, one of our burdens as Pennsylvania Family Institute is to help the next generation think biblically. As you heard, 24% think the Bible is evil. Let's make some changes in our society and let's help young people start to understand how to think biblically about our world. So if you know anyone, please pass this on to them. Maybe sponsor a team to come to our City on the Hill Worldview and Leadership Camp that we do at Lancaster Bible College every summer. All right, thank you and have a great time.